passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors is everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. From superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED lights, and more, whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. When Ryan's when it's time to begin, it's on the rewind around with John Pollock and waiting the 18 that makes sense of these things we see in the ring every week on TV. It's rewind around for Monday night, download a Tuesday morning from the post wrestling site. It's rewind around for Monday night on USA now on the John and Wade take the mic. Welcome to Rewind a Raw with John Pollock and Wei Ting. Hello, Wei. Hey, John. How you doing? I'm doing swell. How's your internet? Um, flawless last night. My, my I was not the issue last night, and we really it was a pretty seamless broadcast. Uh, what? Fifteen seconds of hiccups for the most part. Yeah, yeah, I would say so. Um, I guess maybe some some people listening to this might not even be aware, but John had quite the show on Friday uh, in Rolina Smackdown in the Post Cafe. People still messaging us about well, your well, what can I say? Your promo on on Rogers. Actually, I've gone looking into alternative plans. I believe I will be exiting Rogers imminently. Well, good. Okay. Yeah. Well, keep, keep us updated. Yeah, I'm. Uh... I'm looking to uh, jump ship, so I'll keep every I'll keep everyone posted. I'm sure they're at the edge of their seats, waiting to know my my internet service provider plans. But yeah, if you want to hear me um, share my unvarnished thoughts and way laugh at me, um, rewind to SmackDown from Friday night. I mean, I was trying to cheer you up, but um, I wasn't in a great mood on Friday. No, but uh, did I hide but- it well? Uh, no, and maybe that's why people uh, love the show so much. I'm an open book. Can't can't hide my true feelings against uh, an awful company. But yes, that was Friday. That feels like so long ago. What came out of this weekend? What uh, what was notable? What was noteworthy? This weekend, well, we did our best and worst of show with Poison Rana. Um, that was um, a lot of fun and uh, very comprehensive, I feel, you know. So we had 21 categories that we went through a near three hour show, which uh, people seem to have enjoyed. And then we did likely unlikely for 2024 while also revisiting our predictions from one year ago. So that show is now up for everyone to go check out, whether it be here on the YouTube channel or you can go on the post wrestling feed ad free version up at postwrestlingcafe.com. where, yes, I think this was a very, very in-depth, comprehensive look at the year that was 2023, a noteworthy year, as we say every single year with the preceding year. Now, it's very rare we end a year where we're like, eh, could have gone without this year. Ho-hum. Um, Every year has been pretty eventful, sure. I mean, a lot of things do take place, and I imagine 2024 we'll be talking about it as, as if it was a pretty big year as well. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So now another year to go. 
Have you decided? Are you are you are you going to keep a list this year? I don't think so. I think it's kind of pointless. Um, I like because... your your methodology of these categories where if something doesn't, something should come immediately to mind for you, and that yeah, is a, that's kind of a good barometer. If someone jumps out at you immediately, go with your gut. There are certain categories that I feel it, it might, where it might be helpful to to have a list. Like some some things I just don't think about that often. Um, like like especially the worst cat worst of categories. Something has to really be particularly bad in order for me to to really remember. Like worst match, it was actually a bit of a tough one. Um, <laughs> and that's why I I had to do a bit of research to see what other people were saying. And uh, thankfully, EC three versus Tyrus exist existed in twenty twenty three. I will say that the last thing on our show was that unlike previous years, I, there were very few categories that we were unanimous on. Like we had Mm -hmm. a long uh, list of divergent picks in many different categories that we went with, which is always more enjoyable when we're, when we're going different directions and not just uh, all on one page, like uh, pretty much all of them, almost all of them we had. A variety of answers and selections spread very much across both AEW and WWE, which are going to be maybe the 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 um, promotions get that gets get the most attention, you know, on a show like this one. But um, very much split, you know, in terms of um, uh, the best and maybe even the worst. Well, I imagine one of the big stories we'll be talking about at the end of 2024 on our year end show is going to be where all of these shows are going to end up with the WWE Raw rights expiring with the USA Network at the end of September and AEW's rights with Warner Brothers Discovery ending at the end of 2024. And uh, John Orand, who is um, one of the authorities among media reporters, he put out his annual um, predictions for 2024, his likely and unlikely. And this comes from somebody that, I mean, every year people read these and the assumption is always, you know, he is not just uh, throwing things out without any kind of basis uh, in some of his reporting. But this is not strict reporting. This is him just making his assumptions for the year. And he did talk about both uh, WWE and UFC rights. AEW did not come up in this column. But one of his predictions is that Amazon gets WWE Raw rights and keeps the series on Monday nights. Quote, this hits an audience of young males, a demo where Amazon believes it sees growth in Prime subscriptions. Plus, it gives the company another night of live programming on Prime Video. Now, he also goes on later to write about the UFC rights and stating that he believes ESPN will renew its UFC deal, which expires in 2025. Orand uh he states that ESPN has prioritized renewing the deal and believes that it's going to happen quickly. And then adding the possibility of Disney getting both the UFC rights and Raw with Raw going to FX. So he's got a, he's got a hedging his uh, his forecast here. It's like, hmm. it's on could go to FX, which are two of the prime candidates everyone's looking at. Uh, but adding that scenario would would become likely if WWE is unable to find enough money from Raw suitors. But it looks like one media company will step up for that property. So. I took this to mean like he's looking at Amazon, I would state as the front runner here that is going to offer the most. And I'm curious, just from your sense way of if you're looking at Amazon as the richest deal on the table, but it's also one that it's going to be more of a, of a, a strategy that you will need over several years to grow 
uh, that audience. You are you are limiting yourself with exposure, but over the course of a five year deal, where is Amazon going to be in five years? That that's what you're looking at here, and that that's what you're weighing. You're weighing dollars and exposure, and hopefully having a sufficient amount of both. But just any any of those predictions and the idea of an of an Amazon and WWE uh, jumping on board. Well, certainly it would be like a huge shift from maybe the past five years and, you know, WWE being on a on a on a a, a broadcaster like Fox, you know, being in, in more homes than I think uh, they ever have throughout their history. They'd be now off of Fox and one of their properties their longest running property would potentially not be on television whatsoever. Um, so in that sense, it seems seems like it would be a huge, maybe philosophical shift at the same time. um I mean, this has always been perhaps the 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 trend, or at least like the the sort of forecast of of where the industry would be. You know, everybody's strictly shifting to maybe more of an online sort of um uh, I don't I don't know existence. Um, and WWE has set precedent for you know being um sort of like a a futurist in in many ways when it comes to you know making moves like this. It would be very bold, and I think it would obviously have to be quite lucrative for it to make sense. Um. I I could see it happening and I could see the WWE embracing th- that continued sort of reputation that they might have, you know, as being one of the first properties on at their scale to, you know, make a make a strict move like this. Uh, now, wh- how would that change the dynamic of, of Raw with SmackDown? You know, SmackDown, at least for the better part of the past five years, w- was seen as the A show. I imagine that would only bolster that. If it was, you know, um, the only sort of like television property versus uh, Amazon Prime hosted WWE Raw. Um, I think it would change a whole lot, you know, um, no longer would you really be talking about ratings. You, you what would you be talking about? That's a great point. Yeah, you you wouldn't be talking about that with, with, with Raw. And I mean, these uh, even though like Nielsen is getting more into th- this game, like getting substantive numbers when it comes to streaming i think eventually we're going to get a place where there is a bit more transparency but like we are still in the very embryonic stages of of getting there where it's been something it's only been recent that netflix is now willing to disclose some of that 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 data that they have all of these streamers have just kept uh, under lock and key for so long you're right like it's not as though we'd be getting a number every tuesday at four o'clock about raw's performance on this and and that becomes interesting. Like one thing that I can certainly see that has been a shift in UFC's move of their pay-per-views to streaming is that it does like we get some level of numbers, but nothing near the reporting that was done when UFC was on traditional pay-per-view. And that was a big that was a big uh, narrative that you attach to fighters of like who was moving the needle, who was not. Like Demetrius Johnson, that guy was just, this guy was a phenomenal fighter, but he was plagued by his lack of ability to draw on pay-per-view. That that talking point would not exist today if he was like the current flyweight champion, like Alexandre Pantoja. He would not be doing any better on pay-per-view if we were getting those numbers. But none of that uh, hinders him in terms of his viewpoint of a, of a fighter. And it, it has shifted. Like we know who the big stars are in UFC, but we're going off of different metrics, whereas the pay-per-view numbers it's it, it's more of a overall picture that that we're looking at and not getting specific month-to-month numbers and and how does and that say, change? And same with wwe too with like their numbers 
Well, exactly. Like we've seen the shift in in, in pay per views. Um, or I mean, you could argue maybe it's it's sort of been for the better. Like they no longer seemingly have the pressure to um, I don't know, give us seven hour pay per views. Um, and I wouldn't say the quality of these. Well, they, they were still doing those in the network era, but that True. was when they were trying to just. It was the big um, number was like number of minutes consumed and that was that was one of their big um sort of benchmarks to hit and therefore they would throw a lot (laughs) of product at you knowing that these fans are going to watch a seven hour wrestlemania if we put it on for them and they haven't been doing that but has it necessarily hurt their relationship with peacock no no it is not so anyway, I think it would completely shift the way Raw would be produced. You know, you wouldn't necessarily have um, quarter to quarter sort of um, peaking types of, you know, um, formats. Um, I Would there be as much incentive to, you know, um, I, I don't know, make sure that you have a certain rhythm to to these types of shows when it comes to like having big main events? Um I'm not sure. What exactly is the motivation for a, an Amazon to own a property like a WWE? Because beyond um, ratings, it's it's to get people into the Amazon ecosystem, isn't it? You know, to get people to sign up for Prime so that they can have faster That's shipping. Th- these these are means to get you to become a Prime subscriber, so that you are buying your groceries and buying everything possible on on Prime. And that is that is worth the investment of getting the NFL on Thursday nights. And and the idea being that we want a night of the week for all these different audiences. Thursday night is going to be NBA or NFL night. And Monday night, um, going to our discussion on Sunday, would be wrestling night, staying with Monday night. And I guess less of that sort of thought process, if you're Amazon, of counter-programming Monday night football, like feeling that they are... Um, that that Monday night would be wrestling night and we're not directly competing when we're on a, a streamer that I could certainly see an FX looking at stating if we are investing in raw to get these rights, why are we putting it up against the biggest juggernaut on television from September to January? Right. Do you think this maybe, um, I don't know, lessens the discussion of a potential WBD relationship? With the well, it was interesting that WBD did not come up here, at least in, in John O'Ran's uh, forecasting here. Um, I mean, I, I look at WBD as being a, a name that is going to pop up in these discussions. And I, I think we're still waiting to see so much is contingent on these NBA rights and how how invested uh, Warner Brothers Discovery is going to how much of this NBA package are they going to retain? How much could they give up and therefore what do they have to spend and that could be when are we expecting that the nba that deal is not up until the 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 next the 24 25 season so at the end of there but i mean we will probably get somewhere like a year in advance like roughly so i would imagine like around summer maybe by latest the fall is when we'll know the, the nba rights which I mean, WWE, like Mark Shapiro has stated, like we can we can wait right up until the end of these rights. Like we can go all until September if we have to, like we can make a deal very quickly or we can make it now. Like they have positioned themselves that we are willing to talk to anyone. We're willing to move the we will be as flexible as anyone needs us to be. They have to hit a certain number like they Wall Street is expecting a one point four X increase on this current raw value. And if they can exceed that you would be looking at the Amazons that could make up that difference that wall street will hopefully reward them for that. They did not with SmackDown. 
So a move to Disney and potentially FX would essentially be very similar to what what we currently see. It would just be instead of USA, it would be FX. Correct. They'd be moving from USA to FX. Yes. And, okay. and then you're you're in with, with Disney, which then puts TKO like their all their key stuff is well, at least Raw and the UFC package is yeah. under Disney, at least until this UFC deal is is up next. And yeah, and John O'Ren very much sees UFC staying put with ESPN. Both sides benefit from one another. And what the UFC has going for it that I, I don't see too many people make as big a deal out of is that. Yes, they are maybe not your top, top tier sports, but they're probably like your second tier, I would say. And what value UFC comes with it is that with all of these networks that are trying to get their their streaming platforms profitable, here is a product that once a month is putting their best content on pay-per-view that they have a healthy audience that will spend $80 per show on. And that is something that, uh, like any sports league would love to be able to to do and and it comes with a great value when it comes to like it is by no means um you know just blowing smoke that ufc has greatly helped build espn plus like they are not the sole factor but they are a big reason espn plus has grown um accompanied with the fact that they have bundled it with like disney plus and hulu so i think it makes a lot of sense that espn would want to retain ufc that is red hot and do you do you know if um at least that last word um that espn plus and i guess by extension disney plus are they are these profitable yet no not yet so and i would ask the same of amazon prime and and, and by extension um you know, we we know that there are companies that are maybe pulling back now on just putting limitless resources into their their sort of uh, streaming platforms. Um, but we're, I guess, still asking the question of who has the most money to burn. And I suppose when you're talking about Disney and Amazon, it's it's pretty pretty much infinite for both of those companies. It's it's pretty significant. But like Amazon is like Amazon, it's it, it's very hard to judge because we're not looking at just this one pillar that is Amazon Prime. It's like if you sign up for prime it's like how much like the idea is you come in to watch your raw program on monday night but as a prime subscriber you are now spending five days a week and you're shopping on prime and you, we're mm. making money off of you in so many different ways beyond just looking at this this one column that is the streaming service like that's kind of your entryway in the door and then you're spending money in all these other uh different ways but like you look at Peacock, like th this thing is just, it's like nine figure losses that it just continually they, they are reporting. And then mm -hmm. like it's, but everyone believes like outside of Fox, like everyone is looking at, well, we, we have to invest in this because we'll be behind the game be, because this is where everything is going. But it's, it's a giant cost. And a lot of programmers are looking at, man, we, we're moving everyone from cable to this and it's, it's probably not going to be the same level of business that we had on cable, but it's too late to to reverse that trend because we're we're years into the, this whole process. So anyway, this is um going to be a major major story to follow all year long and where Raw ends up. We don't have a, a ton of new stuff to to go through here, but um just to give way a, a sense of dread for Saturday night, this is what is going on Saturday, January thirteenth in uh in this industry. We have. Uh, Pro Wrestling Noah running their core Q and Hall show with Keno taking on Go Shiozaki title versus nickname. It is the GHC title up against I Am Noah. 
Go Shiozaki, who will not be allowed to be referred to as such if he loses this match. Then that night, what a crazy schedule we have. TNA, hard to kill in Las Vegas for their rebranding and pay-per-view. That will be going on at the same time as a three-hour block of AEW from uh, Virginia with Collision, followed by Battle of the Belts 9. And that Battle of the Belt show will include Ricky Starks and Big Bill against Chris Jericho and Sammy Guevara. So if you missed it, on Rampage, they did air a backstage interview with Chris Jericho that, uh, to the best of my knowledge, did not air for the live crowd on Wednesday because, like, there was no mention of this, like, on Thursday or Friday. It aired on on Friday, so presumably that did not have a, a reaction to it. But Saturday, you had Ricky Starks and Big Bill accepting this challenge, and boy, when Chris Jericho's name was brought up, was this audience um, not happy to hear Chris Jericho's name, and he will be in front of that crowd on on Saturday night, and it will be interesting to see what reaction Chris Jericho gets. And, um, you know, just based on Saturday, if you thought like a week uh, taking him off Wednesday and it's a week removed from the whole story and everything, I mean, it, it did not dampen things. And that was just a name drop. It wasn't even seeing him for the crowd on Saturday. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, the news is still, I think, incredibly fresh and um, it's still incredibly inconclusive. I would say, um, it's just messy and mm-hmm. I, I i wonder how AEW would continue to handle it i mean their philosophy seemingly at least on saturday was to completely ignore th- that that anybody's been talking about it um and maybe they were willing to test the waters by friday but i wonder if the reaction would give them any hesitance if you are chris jericho do you say something th- this week like something Man. addressing it or do you just at this <sighs> point you just don't fan the flames or give it any oxygen I think no matter like what he says, I I think it would be it may be rightfully scrutinized to to a level. Um, and strictly speaking, I guess you know maybe as his uh, uh, P, uh, as a PR advisor, I would say no. Speaking as somebody who wants to know more about the story, I would I would want him to um, maybe address it. But I don't see that happening. Myself. It's really tough. Like, as you mentioned, like what what specifically is Chris Jericho addressing? Mm-hmm. Like, it's yeah. like you're getting in it, it. It's it's really tricky. But I just based on that reaction on Saturday, I mean, I think you'd be foolish not to be looking at the show on Saturday and you would have to like maybe they went into that pay-per-view and just thinking it's not going to be this thing. It was and thinking, well, if he misses a, a dynamite, things will blow over. But it didn't by Saturday. Um, so anyway, that's our three hour block on Saturday night. Then New Japan has Battle in the Valley in San Jose with Kazuchiko Kata against Will Ospreay on top. The UFC runs its first card of the year, and all of these cards on Saturday night will be airing against the NFL playoffs, which uh, the Dolphins are playing the Kansas City Chiefs. So maybe uh, Taylor Swift will be part of this Saturday night chaos as, as well. But man, this is a insane night that is happening so somehow we are going to have all of this covered on the site i will be doing hard to kill with john Cena, um which this this schedule on saturday it it might be hard to watch (laughs) (laughs) just because there's so much way is on aew duty with uh kate from montreal and uh andrew will be manning the site looking at a battle in the valley and uh neil flanagan will be in the mix as well and uh Jack Wanon. We've got it. It's, it's all hands on deck. This Saturday all hands is. on deck. And then uh, Kate and Bruce on Friday or, or Sunday, we'll be talking about Battle in the Valley. 
Uh, Karen and Bruce. Sorry, yes. Karen yes. Bruce, correct. Yes. Yes. They will have a show on Sunday going through Battle in the Valley as well. So very, very busy weekend that is uh, coming up. Ratings notes, uh, SmackDown and Rampage both doing very good numbers uh, per their standards on Friday. SmackDown did 2,465,000 viewers and a .67 in the demo. So this was their highest number since September 15th, which was the last time The Rock showed up on that show with Pat McAfee. So this was number one among all sports. They beat both NBA games. Um, significant uptick with, with women in all the major categories. And the peak, um, this is always a good trend for your show. The peak was the final quarter for the triple threat match with AJ, LA Knight, and Randy Orton and the blood, the bloodline run-in uh, afterwards as well. So they were going up against the Knicks and 76ers game and, yeah, topped them. Um yeah, the NBA game only did a, a 0.46. So very, very good number for SmackDown. I would attribute quite a bit of that to uh, The Rock on Monday and people knowing Reigns is going to be on Friday and whatever his response is going to be to The Rock. I'm sure that played a factor, but obviously based on the pattern too, they were they wanted to see this main event and the Royal Rumble ramifications that came out of it. So very strong number for SmackDown on Friday. Rampage did 406,000 viewers and a 0.14, uh, which was up 25% from the pre pre prior week uh, and 21% in the demo. Their highest number since October the 13th and uh, 18 to 34 up 37% this week. And this was all this was going against the late game with uh, the Memphis Grizzlies and L.A. Lakers, which was uh, the more watched game of the two as well. So both both shows doing very well by those standards. Well, look, look at it. You maybe take a week off from first run programming and then people are going to come back for a, you know, big titled show. Um, I uh, I will do my best every every week when we go through these rampage numbers. But I I have like there there is no rhyme or reason for some for some of these rampages that do well versus ones that don't do well. Um, I mean, this one had the Hardys and Mark Briscoe against Kip Sabian, the Butcher and the Blade. I mean, is that a. The actual peak was the ending of uh, Anna Jay and Hikaru Shida and then a backstage segment with Jeff Jarrett and Jay Lethal. So, I mean, you just don't know what is going to hit. And here this one does its its biggest number since October. So Ram Rampage mm -hmm. is just uh, it's a unique entity out there. Very, very hard to ascertain. And finally, NXT on Tuesday night, we've got Out the Mud challenging the family for the NXT tag titles. Cora Jade against Gigi Dolan. Nikita Lyons, after her big attack, she is going to gain revenge on Blair Davenport. And then it's the start. It's it's tournament time, Way. It's time for a wrestling tournament. It's the Dusty Rhodes Tag Team Classic. As Axiom and Nathan Frazier take on Hank Walker and Tank Ledger and Braun Breaker and Baron Corbin. Can they get along? Taking on Mark Coffey and Wolfgang. See, um, Hank Walker and Tank Ledger are such, like... <laughs> name generator names to me but then you also mentioned Braun. Tank. yeah but then you also mentioned Braun breaker and baron corbin and if i didn't know those names uh as as much as i do now i would have also said those are very much name generator names so it's all it all to me just comes down to how often you repeat it um and maybe in two years time hank ledger and tank almost hank walker tank ledger those will be, you know, um, completely uh, original, you know, legends in the game, I bet. Legend, legends, yes. Ah, yes. Um, mm -hmm. Over to Dynamite on Wednesday. A few more match announcements. So we have the Tornado Tag with Hobbs and Takeshita against Sting and Darby Allen. 
Sammy Guevara against Ricky Starks. First time ever singles match that they are having. Hangman Page against Claudio Castagnoli, which should be tremendous. Mm-hmm. And they have added a is that pair. Is that a first time ever? Hangman and Claudio? Um, yeah. Off the top of my head, I think so. Wow. Okay. I don't recall let me, let me, let me double check that. But okay, yeah. You check that out. I, uh, yeah, I don't think so. I don't think we've seen that before. Well, wow. that, that sounds like a great match on paper. Mm-hmm. So Tony Khan has added uh, an eight-man tag and an eight-woman tag. And the idea is they're going to Daly's place, which Tony said is synonymous with the late Brody Lee. And they are putting in two of his protégés, Preston Vance in one of the matches and Anna Jay in the other. So Preston Vance will team with Dustin Rhodes, Adam Copeland, and Orange Cassidy to take on Brian Cage, Lance Archer, and the Gates of Agony. Um, this is your um, random match generator, I would I would state. This is a, quite the team on the right. Very, uh, very random, except for, I guess, like what Tony is telling us, that these are um, Preston Vance's um, hand-picked partners. So maybe he'll we'll get a promo explaining why exactly he chose these few. Maybe Preston Vance will explain that one of the seminal matches of his y- young upbringing in professional wrestling was September of 1998 when Dustin Rhodes took on Val Venus and having to watch his wife uh, make out with this porn star in front and be tortured. It was pretty, um, <laughs> yes. You yeah, haven't gotten the breakdown ab- yet, have you? I have not, no. Coming up this Thursday on Rewind Away, it is Breakdown. Oh, yeah. Thanks for the reminder. Starring Dustin Rhodes and Val Venus. And then the uh, the women's tag, it is Anna Jay, Chris Statlander, Willow Nightingale, and Thunder Rosa against Julia Hart, Sky Blue, Soraya, and Ruby Soho. Saray and Ruby Soho, uh, two award winners from Wei Ting on Sunday night. You can go listen to the show to find out mm. what award they were uh, <laughs> accepting on behalf of. Yes. Mm. There you go. Dynamite. The homecoming on Wednesday at Daly's mm-hmm. Place. And Samoa Joe appears as well. So we will see what he has to say. They've got some time now until Revolution, but not 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 a insignificant amount of time. We got we to gotta get this Sting stuff going. I think it's already been going plenty, plenty well, according to at least the uh, ticket on sales. I mean, I think they're past 15,000 now. Yes, which is like, it was amazing to me that we got that tweet on Friday night from Tony Khan that Sting's wrestling on Saturday in Charlotte. Mm-hmm. Um, For the last yeah, time. I, yeah, I like it's so clear, like you have something here with this retirement tour. And I would state that however many matches he has left, like you would at the very least just want to like give out dates like he's wrestling we don't have to necessarily give out the opponents but it just seems mm-hmm. like there is a real appetite for people to see like it's the last time and for some it might be the first time that they get to see sting wrestle and it's definitely going to be your last time and when you go to these markets like you look at some of these numbers like it, it's not like they're they've got any crazy advances coming up over the these next uh, couple of weeks into revolution like revolution is the major one and that is all off of sting so mm-hmm. um yeah, we will see uh, what what happens in the future. But his his final match at Daly's place, way can you believe it? Um, no, what what a what a run! This post wrestling podcast is brought to you by NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast. Financial literacy can be daunting, but it's one of the most valuable things you can equip yourself with. On NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast, their trusted financial journalists offer easily digestible conversational discussions on topics like balancing your portfolio. If you think an ETF is one of Cena's five moves of doom, 
this show might be for you. Planning for your tax bills this April, so you don't have to worry about a visit from Erwin R. Scheister and putting away more money for retirement. Because unlike most wrestlers at the end of their careers, most of us should only plan on retiring once. Listen to NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast on your favorite podcast app. Future you will thank you. On to Raw we go at the Moda Center in Portland, Oregon. Over 10,000 tickets out, according to WrestleTix. And tonight, going up against the college football national championship game that Way had on uh, between Michigan and Washington. How much, how much did you lay down on number one Michigan? Zero. Oh, really? So you went mm-hmm. all in on Washington? <laughs> Sir. Yeah. How much Harbaugh did you put down? Gonna go coach in the NFL. What were your thoughts? Hardbog? Yes, hard bog. That's he's going to NXT. It's a bit better than Hank Ledger. It's, it's going to be Tank Ledger's manager, his new coach, Hard Bog. What is the name? Harbaugh. Harbaugh. Okay. Harbaugh. That's yeah. His last name. Yeah. Did he win? Did he do well? Um, I think Michigan won. I don't know. I was checking in and out, but um, all right. Okay. It, it was a football game. It'll happen again next year if you missed it. Hmm. Drew McIntyre starts off the show. Oh, my God, this first segment. So he's in the ring. He said that last week was all or nothing for him. He needed the title, and he doesn't have it. He said he cost himself the match by overextending Seth's leg so that it was on the rope. Perhaps they're right, and maybe I am the one holding myself back. Maybe I need to step away for a while. And this crowd does boo. They're like, oh, we we don't want you to leave. but. He also realizes he didn't lose straight up. It was Damian Priest that cost him the match. And he asks Damian, why didn't you wait till after the match? When I was weakened, you screwed both of us. I mean, again, logical points from Drew McIntyre here. Very logical. Damian Made no did sense. Kind of, I mean, he did leave with the briefcase. So, I mean, he didn't completely blow it, but um, could have had a better plan for last week. Hmm. Then he notes, maybe I should just leave for nine years and then I'll get a hero's reception when I come back. And with this, he has heard enough. Out comes CM Punk, and he walks down and calls this Piper Country here in Oregon. And he thought for the occasion, Drew might wear a kilt. He says that Piper and me are both known for talking. Is Drew? Because that's all that Drew does. And I admit, from a guy that might talk too much. But he tells Drew, whatever you have to say, say it to my face. So Drew is ready here. He congratulates Punk. Because you've lasted over a month here. Because a lot of us in the locker room, we've been betting on when you're going to crash and burn. And (laughs) I don't care what you said while you were outside of this company. I understand you needed the attention. You needed the headlines. He said, I care about what you do to me personally. And I was one of the few on this roster that has traveled the world with you. I know the real CM Punk. The guy who walked into the locker room and said... As the locker room leader, which is a story that that has been dropped several times, you you, you have heard this uh, mentioned uh, from who? Anyone? Like a bunch uh, of not not Drew. We're saying I not Drew. I know I I know I've heard this story before. I don't know if it's been specifically like named named as as Punk, but I've definitely heard this one about the line of like who calls himself a locker room leader. You shouldn't have to call yourself the, uh, the locker room leader. And that's what Drew stated here. He said at that time I was young in this business and I needed a leader and my career was in a tailspin, but you didn't help me. You saw me as a threat. 
And I spoke to Randy, but Randy was dealing with his own demons. You punk, you don't have you don't have demons. You are a demon. And then said, I got fired and I had to figure it out for myself. And after nine years, I'm your leader now, kid. Just a great, great line. Mm. Great promo here from Drew. So good. So this was excellent. You know, like like in particular, like I thought the Randy mention was very interesting because like it didn't really it wasn't completely necessary for this promo and this interaction between drew mcintyre and cm punk but him mentioning i you know i shared a locker room with you and i i have grievances with anybody who was supposed to be a leader at the time um and i've already addressed this with randy and randy gave me a very valid excuse whereas you cm punk you don't have a valid excuse i mean at least to me just feels like a detail that makes that entire story feel that much more real from drew like i buy it because there's no real point in perhaps or at least like making up a small detail like that yeah and and actually like the timing of it too is like punk leaves in uh in january and drew gets fired like in june of that year like it's it's very close in proximity that they both leave the company and they tie it in here of like how one guy came back and now the other guy's trying to do the exact same thing So Punk's rebuttal said, I never called myself a leader because I always led by example and asked, did you need to be held by the hand? Because if so, maybe you can join the straight edge society and we can shave your head. He said that he watched Drew leave this company and then saw you return bigger and better. You won the Royal Rumble. You headlined WrestleMania. Now I'm coming back and trying to do the same thing. Why would you be upset about that? I'm not a demon. Because when I'm pushed, I'm Satan himself. And I'm a really nice guy until it's time not to be. And I'm here to win the Royal Rumble and headline WrestleMania. So Drew points out, I've already headlined WrestleMania when you haven't. And I stepped up when this company needed me, when the world needed needed us. And, I, and when the going gets tough, punk gets going. And if you're the devil, I'm going to exercise you in the Rumble because I'm in it too. And I'm going to headline WrestleMania, but this time I'm doing it for myself. So Punk says, I'm going to lead by example and leave before I knock your teeth out. Because no one, not you, not Seth, not Cody, is going to stop me from winning the Rumble. And just for you, I'm going to throw you out last. Mm. Dude, this was... This was just a great, great segment to start. So great. And I feel like Punk probably called his shot. Like, I think that's probably the 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 scene you might see at the very end here, you know, with Punk winning by throwing out Drew last. Um, I can certainly see these two coming down to the final two because I I, I think Drew feels that hot right now. The, the, uh, my best character of 2023. I thought he was amazing in this segment um they've suddenly added another heavily anticipated matchup to their already growing roster of matches that we this could be see. night three of wrestlemania enough yeah that would that be the real main event now a night wrestlemania three? week <laughs> um you know but like last week they just added the rock versus roman reigns potentially i mean um you know the rock versus whoever right um cody versus roman is still out there of course i'll, I'll tell but- you if punk wins the rumble um this could be his reason for elimination chamber is like drew and and punk in that at, at that mm-hmm. february show 
you could do it there. Yeah, now you throw Drew into the mix, and uh, Drew versus CM Punk is suddenly a, a, a match that feels very main event worthy on any of those um, shows. Maybe not uh, night two of WrestleMania, but, you know, uh, an Elimination Chamber main event, certainly. Um, I actually felt like this was a really interesting pairing because, to me, Drew McIntyre is a much more of a CM Punk character than CM Punk is right now. He is the guy who is so full of rage and he's never satisfied and he brings it out through um i think this sort of intensity on the microphone he's always after somebody uh because he's always feels like he's being wronged and he always feels like he's being targeted and if you look at it at a certain way um maybe much like the phil brooks of old he is always somebody who has somebody else to blame but himself um so i found this dynamic very interesting because I tend to find myself, again, agreeing with Drew McIntyre a whole lot more, whereas CM Punk, I feel, is continuing to have issues trying to hang on to this voice of the voiceless character and this reputation that he's been known for. Since coming back from to the WWE, he it feels like he's been anything but you know we hear baby faces on this roster like a Seth Rollins specifically pretty much call him out for being a hypocrite. Um, he is coming across right now much more like Dwayne Johnson coming in, taking a spot from a younger guy and, you know, not necessarily coming in because he's hungry to, you know, want to want to um, make a name for himself in the way like a Drew McIntyre might have been when he, you know, busted his ass on the indies before making it here. So I, again, feel like um, number one, this is a very hot segment. You got like a real feeling of like tension between the two, but <laughs> I I think the the ultimate form of CM Punk continues to be as a heel who is embracing maybe a lot more of this sort of like heel like these these criticisms from people in the locker room like Drew McIntyre. Well, that's fine to be planting all this stuff that like now would not be the time to be um getting to that destination, but come the summer, like when when the bloom is like wh- like this is still um he's still got the uh the brand new car smell uh when, when you well i don't even think a lot personally i don't even know if it's intentional john like right now i think that's the direction they can ultimately pivot towards because it feels more natural for punk but i just i just see punk right now in these sort of promos especially against somebody like a drew mcintyre um as kind of tough to buy like they don't feel as genuine and as authentic as like you know the cm punk i'm used to because the backstory doesn't add up in well i think what you like about these characters is that they're trying to present like these as close to authentic stories with probably some dramatization attached to it, but it should be like, we're kind of following the crowd's cue of like, where do they go with this? And instead of dictating to the crowd, which was sort of like the MO for so long, it's instead it's like, okay, see where the audience takes us. Like here was this crowd. Like drew has clearly been presented in like this, I wouldn't even say subtle heel light, like a pretty distinct heel light, but with logic attached to it. And when he with very like, good he, reasons for exactly, you can see the like there is a divide there because when he said, I'm going to leave, this crowd wasn't cheering. They do not want this man to, to leave. So it's like you have to leave it open to that. My last question on this is how about months and months of uh, story all culminating here? And one of the left field picks revealed himself to be the devil <laughs> he said i mean it, he said it right here on national television was it such a left field pick i feel like yeah, there are plenty of people that were still suggesting it even after seeing him on on us uh, at Sur- survivor series 
um cm punk is the devil i'll tell you what he ran with this as his nickname on on television the devil cm punk i thought that was a great line from punk you know um yeah it was great i'm not the devil i'm satan himself and i thought that was the most real real thing that cm punk said in this promo um i'm i'm a very good guy i'm a very nice guy until it's time not to be a nice guy and we know this about cm punk he could be your most loyal friend in the entire world but if you get on his bad side he will be your biggest enemy um and there are plenty of examples of that so there you go excellent segment i thought i thought Mm -hmm. this was the best thing on on the show tonight and and this was a good episode of raw but i i thought like the show quality wise like this first uh 10 minutes or so was just tremendous then we had Boy, the post-Kevin Dunn segment here. Johnny Gargano and Tommaso Ciampa doing a walk-and-talk backstage on their way to the ring. And Ciampa explaining that it is the 19-year anniversary of his first match in 2005. And DIY is going to fight for what they want. And what they want are the tag titles. It's must-win. Their New Year's resolution is to become tag team champions. Something new. Sure. Yeah. I like this. Yeah. This was very uh Megan Olivi esque off of a, a UFC broadcast. A nice walk and talk um into Gorilla. Yeah. Yeah. Um so that might have been new and maybe that might have been indicative of, of a new creative direction. However, um I don't know if you noticed, but like during the Nakamura Cody backstage segment, you saw plenty of shaky cam. Okay, and we know Kevin Dunn is not back there anymore, yet Shaky Cam still exists. So who do we blame exactly for Shaky Cam? Um, Whoever the disciples are, I guess. I mean, this is going to be I mean, there's like you're you're not going to see just a. um, A complete abandonment of what has been presented as like, this is how we we produce television uh, as well. On top of it, I will say and sometimes we're like probably watching with with too close of a focus. um, Yeah. But it was very notable the fact that when they showed that recap with Becky Lynch from last week, like they emphasized the blood and like shot the face of, of Becky with, with the blood. It's not mm-hmm. like it was in black and white. Um, well, it's the whole story, right? The, the you know, and, and and you pointed it out. It was a legitimate um um uh, uh, hard away blood from Becky. But I mean, boy, did it come but, at but it! They're running fortunate. with it in a smart way. Like they're they're crediting it with being the punch, even though mm-hmm. it happened a few moments before that. But that's fine. I mean, it, it was the most added fortunate to the drama, and now they're going to benefit from it as like this was the the result of the punch. It was the most fortunate place for them to possibly have um, blood appear in a match. Yeah. Finn Balor against Tommaso Ciampa. We have a Thez press by Ciampa, and then he chases Balor around and gets blocked by Damian Priest, who then distracts him on the apron, and Ciampa is sent off the apron into the desk. Go through the commercial break. We get a Project Ciampa for a two-count. Balor catches him with a sling blade and shotgun, but misses with the coup de grace. And when Priest gets on the apron, Ciampa nails him. Gargano pulls down Priest, and Ciampa comes off the apron with a knee. Balor kicks the rope into the groin of Ciampa, and as Balor goes for a vertical suplex, Gargano trips Balor, allowing Ciampa to land on top and pin Balor in 8 minutes and 16 seconds. Uh, Good match, I felt, between these two NXT legends. Um, This was not, you know, I think a takeover level match uh, by any means. This was a raw TV match designed to build to a tag team title program between the two afterwards. I... I thought it effectively involved Gargano and Priest and effectively sets you up for the, I guess, a future title match after they get by Dom and JD next week. 
Jackie Redman is with Becky Lynch, and she states that Nia Jax put her full weight into that punch, but I got myself up, and I walked to the back, and I didn't have to go to the hospital, so I was already ahead of where I was the last time I was struck by her. And I'm declaring myself for the Royal Rumble, and this tells me either Nia is getting weaker or I'm getting stronger. And maybe this isn't the end. Perhaps it is just the beginning. Right. So the fact that she's not in the hospital means she she there's a there's a moral victory here for her. That's it. That's it. She yeah. uh, she walked away from this car crash and she was, um, you know, all in one piece. Moral yeah. victory. This is someone that is certainly she, she should um, optimist. She should give advice to like fighters and stuff. Yeah. Uh, clear promise of, of a rematch here. So the program continues. Then we got a plug for the Jackie Redman show on the NHL YouTube sh- uh, channel later this week with CM Punk as her guest. Yeah, man loves hockey. He'll be chatting hockey this week. Mm-hmm. Kofi Kingston, Ludwig Kaiser, they replayed Vinci's injury from last week and noting he's going to be out for several weeks. So for, for this one week, Kaiser is all by himself and he's going to take it out on Kofi Kingston. But they do know Gunther is coming back next week. A crowd was behind Kofi Kingston, chanting for him. Kaiser ducked a trouble in paradise and then is sent to the floor, catches Kingston with a forearm and then sends Kingston into the break. We come back. Kingston lands a trust fall and then the running uppercut into the barricade by Kaiser misses. He crashes into the barricade and both men get counted out in eight minutes and 45 seconds. The crowd boos the finish, but they continue anyway with Kingston landing a dive. They continue striking one another and then Kaiser uh, gouges them in the eye. And when Kaiser gets back body dropped, he comes back and it's the return of the evil office chair, which gets thrown into the face of Kofi. He goes down. Michael Cole is thinking that this could be fatal and Kaiser continues with a ton of aggression. And as he's being pulled away, the man does the, the most athletic jog around this ring into a seated drop kick. And uh, Kingston is laid out as the officials are swarming the ringside area to save this man from this office chair attack. Mm. Uh, So they're playing off of the Vinci concussion basically by um, having Kaiser try to give Kofi a concussion via something like an office chair. And um, I thought they were actually very effective in, in, in giving Vin, um, Kaiser a very serious and darker tone here. I mean, throughout his sort of existence, he's, he's, he's sort of been, um, he's been great, but he's also been a bit of a comedic or, or comical character, like very over the top accent, uh, was involved in like storylines with Maxine and, you know, was, was taking like, what happened of, to that? Did he just dropped it? Realize um, this isn't going anywhere for the best in Maxine. Yeah. Maybe for the best. Um, and, and now instead, like they're using this uh, very unfortunate injury to Vinci to give him a much more serious tone. And I thought tonight was very effective here in having him act out this way. And then he was, uh, caught by Jackie Redmond in the back and he screams that it was Kofi's fault. He's the reason I'm the only one here carrying the weight of Imperium on my shoulders. He took the head of Vinci, so I took his. Yeah, very very good, you know, um, aggressive promo here from Kaiser. Yeah, good promo. And I was glad that he got some speaking time in addition to just the angle here. But I can't think, I don't think you can really put Gunther's absence on, on Kofi's shoulders. I mean, man had a baby. That Kofi had nothing to do with that, I don't think. Don't, don't don't start rumors, John. Michael Cole is in the ring, brings out Nia Jax, who says she was not shocked 
with her win last week. She's more focused now and threatens to break Michael Cole's face. She's going to win the Royal Rumble and then come for either Rhea Ripley or Io Sky. So that prompts Rhea Ripley to come down and reminds Nia Jax that she eliminated her last year in a Royal Rumble surprise that no one remembered until this was brought up. But I guess that might have been her, her tryout, I guess. Well, she, she was in the Rumble, and then everyone's like, is she coming back? And then she disappeared for months and then came back properly. But yes, she was mm-hmm. in the Rumble last year. And she says that Rhea notes Becky Lynch isn't Rhea Ripley, which maybe that is uh, planting a seed for something as well. And she said that she doesn't own this division, warns her about coming for her title if she wins the Rumble. And Jax reminds Rhea that I put you on your ass when you came back. And if you're too scared and uh, you're too scared to face me. So when I do win the Rumble, I'm going to choose you and you won't be able to avoid me any longer. Mm -hmm. I is that it? Is it is that it? No, no. I was just going to wonder which. uh, We only have so many cars. Where where are all these matches going to take place? I feel like we're building up a lot of matches. It's true. Yeah. So um, after this. I, I felt like there was enough of a of a reaction here, uh, in particular for for Rhea Ripley. Like she she's already been cheered as a baby face, but I would say her roster of opponents recently hasn't really elicited much memorable reaction. I would say because I mean it's you know there are people that everybody just doesn't really take seriously. It's like Raquel, it's Shayna, it's Zoe, it's whoever, but. For whatever reason, people really hate Nia Jax. And when you pair somebody... And they booked her very strong. Like, they've come in and there was no, like, 50-50 booking with her and putting her over Becky. Like, that was the right call for last week for where they're going. And, like, there's no need to beat Nia until it means something. And they're at a point now where it will mean something, whoever beats her first. And and, and exactly. And and, um, who's it going to be? I mean, we have been discussing perhaps Rhea Ripley defending her championship at Elimination Chamber. But, man, I I think you might have enough for um, a main – a title match. I'm not necessarily going to say main event, especially if uh, Dwayne might be on that show. But, like, a a Nia Jax versus Rhea Ripley singles match inside that stadium in Perth I think will be – Massive, and and might outside of Becky Lynch be the best opponent Rhea Ripley could have for a babyface crowd. Uh, possible. Um, they've got options. They've definitely got options. So a, a good segment here for. Um, I, yeah, building, I building I think Nia like in hindsight has been a very strong pickup for them. Again, her skills haven't necessarily gotten much better, but I think she just seems to inspire reactions from audience, the audience in ways that much of the, the current women's roster doesn't. And I think she's been very effectively utilized for both Becky and now Rhea. They re- recap the rocks appearance last week. And then Jackie interviews Cody Rhodes, but he's jumped by Nakamura. We got the shaky cam and they're pulled apart. And then it is informed that this will now be a street fight tonight. Mm-hmm. And they went all out the graphic that they made um they did yeah very cool had to i had to update the graphic after i saw this it it looked great yeah katana chance and caden carter defending the women's tag titles against piper niven and chelsea green wade barrett was asking michael cole about his knowledge of edm fests and michael cole would not even (laughs) entertain this small talk it's like i nothing i don't know anything about these so we have the entire women's division was watching this on one monitor in the back we had baszler and stark Tegan Knox and Natalia, Candice Lorraine, and Indy Hartwell, and Maxine and Ivy Nile, all crammed around this uh, this this TV. This was their uh, that's their the work division. for the evening to come and watch this uh, this match. Niven saves Green from the after party early on. This was uh, the pre party, 
and then runs Chance into the buckle. They get the heat on her. Then eventually after the break, Carter gets the tag and they stun Green on the turnbuckle and Carter lifts her on the shoulders on the turnbuckle for a super Rana by Chance off the turnbuckle. This looks Mm -hmm. nuts. And then we get a a wheelbarrow into a backflip, but Green gets her knees up on Chance. Green hits the Rough Rider, which I guess is now just a, a regular part of her repertoire. The Unprettier gets countered, Lung Blower Senton combo onto Carter, but Chance makes the save, and the crowd's getting into these saves. Uh, Niven hits a Uranagi out of the corner, and then Niven climbs for the Vader Bomb onto Chance, but Carter pulls out her partner and trips Green, who falls down onto her front and then rotates into position where Niven is not looking at where she's going and Vader bombs her partner by mistake. <laughs> it was it was very comical. I mean, completely um, in terms of physics, improbable, but very comical in, in a Looney Tunes way. I mean, if you ever like take my leg out from under me and I fall face first and then I just flip right over. I mean, I would be worried that like I'm, I'm having some kind of like allergic reaction to move my body uh, in that way. But I mean, this was a, it was a very funny, it was very um, funny ending here. And then they take out Niven with a lung blower and then they hit the keg stand on green to retain the titles in nine minutes and 50 seconds. I really enjoy these two as, as a tag team chance and mm-hmm. Carter. I think they're the best option. They have fun matches on television and hopefully they can just continue to just, they don't have to be like significant. It would be great if they had some significant stories for this tag division, but I'm fine with them just coming out and having these like 10 minute matches where Carter and chance just get to do a lot of cool gymnastic stuff with a cool base that you have in, in Carter. I think they need something more than we like to go to EDM fest, you know, like that's all you're getting way. This, they is, need this a, is the limit, okay. They need like some sort of like a uh, drug scandal, you know, like, you know, Hey, you went to an, e- <laughs> what, what, what reputation do people have that? I guess, you know, uh, at these EDM fests, I don't know. They need, they need something. Okay. Something, something spicier than just, we like to go and have fun. What kind of fun exactly? You know, maybe someone plants drugs on one of them. Sign me up for it. Um, but this was a great reaction to the team tonight. And and I think having the titles on them in some like you never want to like have the titles make the team. But in some cases, I guess you need some sort of start. And in this, this is your key the, to getting matches on the show is you got to be either defending the titles or challenging for the titles. Exactly. And and having the titles on, on these two, at least now, gives the audience um, – it tells them that, hey, we should probably take this team seriously. And the audience took them seriously. They they they're, they're, they reacted well to all their signature spots. I think the tandem offense is really the, the biggest thing that sets them apart. And um, I think they have the potential to be a, a much maybe smaller, but like a version of like a Young Bucks style type of you know team where just it's just the crazy pace, a lot of like flashy signature moves. And I, I mean, I, I hope that they can deliver some semblance of maybe that uh, for, for this division. Uh, I thought Chelsea and Piper, if this was the last time that they're teaming up together, they probably went out with the best match that I've seen them in. That's not saying a whole lot because they're not a team that's known for their in-ring. But this was, I thought, a very good quality matchup that got the crowd up. You think this is it for the team? The Vader bomb gone awry? Potentially. I mean... I think there's potential in them, like maybe still as like a backstage, you know, comedic um, tandem. And maybe they built up enough value that like they should be putting over other teams in, in the division before breaking up. Um, but I, I also wouldn't be surprised if they went their separate ways. 
then we had the R-Truth video where this is like this sentimental music with some uh, copyright-free images uh, that we have here. R-Truth talks about being born in North Carolina and remembering when the doctor held him as a baby. And we get a doctor holding a small baby where it reads dramatization underneath it. He knew from that moment that one day he would be part of the Judgment Day. And we get shots of the Judgment Day as he states, we've been through a lot together. We're a family. And they show him like photoshopped into all these like various photos where the Judgment Day are posing on Abbey Road, where R-Truth is inserted into all of these photos. I mean, even green screened oh, in footage. Oh, these are just tremendous. Um then we have like a family photo of them. And then the best is he's on the cover of the Judgment Day VHS, which I was hoping he was going to mention occurred three weeks after WWF breakdown in Hamilton, <laughs> Ontario, which will be reviewed this Thursday on Rewind Away in the uh, after the uh, the ending to the main event. Um, and then uh, he stated that Judgment Day, their motto is live laugh and love and this was my favorite r-truth segment i have ever seen this man do and he has had some entertaining segments i i thought this was the best it was punctuated by the fact that they cut to the judgment day and part of me really wants to believe that they were watching this for the first time and told to react naturally to the video because damian priest was about to break on live television I I I I couldn't imagine that they they actually saw it because I I think they would have broken like I I think all the members would have broken if they actually saw it. This was very funny. It was very well done. Um, you didn't even mention John, Tom and Nick Mysterio. Oh, dude, he <laughs> mentions his family. Even Tom and Nick Mysterio, and who, who was the one he never met? It was uh, even though I never met Tom, but Tom's his uh, brother. He never met Nick. I guess oh, he, didn't meet he thinks this Tom dude's name is Tom. Mysterio <laughs> was the best. Dude, like the, the this is a t-shirt. Tom. This live, laugh, love. They, they should make that know. with the with the names and add and Tom and Nick on it for Lovely. the R-Truth shirt. Like yes. you've already got the, the name shirt. Just add two more to it. I mean, dude, R-Truth has now officially become like a, like this, he has gotten so over in this Judgment Day story that, like he's Sammy Zane and the biz, he was by far like got the biggest reaction of of like anyone out there. He's Sammy Zane in the bloodline. You know, he he's maybe not that status, but like he's certainly approaching it. And I think that's certainly the intent. You know, as we've discussed, like in the weeks prior, I his inclusion into the Judgment Day, this ultra serious like brooding emo group, brings a great deal of levity to 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 the Judgment Day, and actually makes the Judgment Day far more um dynamic and interesting. Um, especially because he presents a path towards a babyface turn for any member in the group. And we're probably thinking Damian Priest at this point. Um, so what, you know, please, please carry on with the, with the segment recap. Cause there, there were a lot of interesting seeds planted as well. Yeah. Damian Priest stay like Rhea is pissed and says, this needs to end. And Priest says, yeah, but that was pretty good quality. And Priest says, when it comes time, I'll handle our truth. And yes, I think to that point, this is Damian Priest's um, 
Like we talked about at some point, like he finally stands up for JD McDonough. I think that train has left the station. And now you have like by far the most sympathetic figure of this group is our truth. And that is Damian Priest's bridge to leaving this group and standing up for our truth at the end of this, that the audience will just embrace. So Rhea then brings up DIY. And if they're concerned and Balor's response is DIY, they'll need CPR. MRIs and EMTs. See, I, 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 the comedy was all reserved for R Truth's video package, and no one was left to work with Balor for this comeback. I think Balor should have read that without maybe, um, like he should have just been shown a cue card so he could read that live on air so we could see his natural reaction. Because I guarantee you, um, he probably would have cringed a bit reading those lines. And then you had Priest and Rhea who continue to have friction between them where. Priest denies that Drew is his enemy, despite the the cash in attempt last week, and Rhea having the the pre the prior uh, work agreement with Drew, and then he brings up Nia Jax to to Rhea. So we are we are continuing the problems between Damian Priest and Rhea Ripley. But th- this video was excellent. It was it was really funny. It was very good, and you know what? It, it really has not taken the serious edge off of Judgment Day at all. Like they they were able to go right from that R Truth video to continuing to play with all the interesting character dynamics you have going on here. You have whatever's going on between priest and Rhea. You have um, tension obviously between priest and uh, Drew McIntyre that they continue to be setting up now, Rhea and Naya Balor and priest versus DIY CPR, you know, MRI. And um, you continue to have, I think JD be the butt of, of like our truths jokes that I, I think makes JD a lot more interesting than, than without. So they're doing really well with all of this. The Miz against JD McDonough, Dominic, Tom, and Nick are in the corner. And R Truth shows up, and dude, this place goes nuts for R Truth. Like he was one of the big stars on the show. Like he got one of the biggest mm-hmm. reactions on this show. And uh, JD is rolling out to regroup. Miz calls for his big balls, but the skull crushing finale gets stopped. Dominic attacks behind the referee's back. And then we get JD with a slingshot into a corkscrew in the ring. The it kicks by Miz. And then he drives his knee into JD's knee, works on the knee, applies the figure four. JD's to the rope. And as Truth is talking to Dominic and JD, it distracts them enough for Miz to drop kick JD into Dominic on the floor, rolls in JD and wins with the skull crushing finale in 12 minutes. So now they've beaten them twice. Um, at least the, the, you know, the tandem of awesome truth and, and JD. And I suppose if you're trying to put the heat on um, our truth um, as, as the reason why JD continues to lose all his matches and get in trouble with the judgment day, this is the right, you know, sort of response. Um, I thought the match went a bit too long, you know, considering it was really just ultimately undercard comedy, but um, I am enjoying and, and the fans seem to be really enjoying this. Our truth judgment day stuff. And Miz should just cling to our truth mania season ride the hot hand and our truth our truth yeah. is going to get something at wrestlemania like whether he wins mm-hmm. the uh gimmick battle royal or not the gimmick battle royal but uh whatever it is the andre royal, the, the andre battle royal they should oh, back bring back the-, the gimmick battle royal really okay perhaps ripley is pissed off about this with balor and priest states this needs to end with our truth seth comes out and notes that he has never gone into WrestleMania as a champion. He's never headlined, but that changes this year. It's the year of Seth Rollins. I took a title that didn't even exist a year ago, and I made it the most important in the industry and asks, who am I going to beat at WrestleMania? 
I think six people chanted CM Punk. It was a very, very light uh, chant, and it was enough for Seth in his dreams, maybe. I think they were really hoping for a much louder response to this because it was lukewarm at best. Do you make anything of that? The fact that it, this wasn't a louder reception for, for CM Punk? Um. Yeah, I I, I, don't, I don't know. It, like, I would have expected, like, if, if there was a... I expected more of a reaction of people just like chanting something and, and he let it, he like let it sink in for the audience to kind of get the chant going, but it never came in any size. I can't see really any other names that I think I feel the audience would be clamoring for instead of CM Punk to go for Rollins championship. Well, his initials are JM because then we got the gender reveal (laughs) out comes Mahal and no one can believe he is back. He says last week, I became more of a revolutionary in five minutes than you have, Seth, in the last five years. These fans are degenerates, and Rollins has instilled no change. You throw childish tantrums off the air, and I deserve a shot. I've been overlooked. I beat Randy Orton with ease. So tonight was just like randomly name-dropping Randy Orton to state your case. Rollins says, you're right, we have overlooked you. But we've done it on purpose, because we're trying to forget about you. But he does give him credit for coming back after rock put his balls in a vice last week and dares Mahal to take a swing. Jinder shakes his head. No. And Seth just looks at him same old Jinder. And as he goes to leave, he gets jumped by Jinder and then Rollins fights back and Jinder tries for the Coloss, but Mahal uh, is able to, uh, he can't hit them. He can't hit the Coloss and then rolls out of the way of a stomp. And my first thought was, does Seth have no opponent for the Royal Rumble? Are we really going to do this? But alas, this is going to be on television next week, which I still, this guy needs a match at the Rumble. It is possible they do something next week to give some kind of non-finish. This could be his his Rumble opponent because they have no one mm-hmm. set up for him in three weeks' time. It's possible, yeah. Um, I suppose the Rumble is one of those shows where... Um... This would replace Brock Lesnar and Bob Hawley as your title match at the Rumble in terms of who's the coldest opponent we can find. Yeah, yeah. I don't think he needs to defend it. Um, there, like, if we're going by two Rumbles, that's already two hours. And, and you know, judging by, like, uh, War Games, you know, like, I, I don't think they have more than three matches on the undercard, perhaps. So I don't even think it's necessary. Um, I don't think Rollins needs to even be uh, on the Rumble. Um but for a TV segment, maybe to take advantage of some of the buzz that Jinder Mahal might have had over the past week through the Rock segment, I mean, yeah. whatever. Like, I I don't get too mad at it. It's a one-week build for hopefully a one-week program. How many views is this going to do on YouTube, this segment? I think this will shatter records. Yeah. Well, um, yeah, we shall see. You know, when we talk about, like, the, the era of uh, number of minutes consumed of the era – and it coinciding with the addition of the Women's Royal Rumble. Like, how lucky are we that the Royal Rumble did not become a two-night event? When you think about it. Oh, man, are you, are you so sure that 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 might not be in the cards? For the no, I'm not. Like, you could easily fill out uh, two nights when you're talking about a Rumble on each night. And you could do a title match on each night. Like, they could mm-hmm. absolutely do that. I'm, 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 I'm it- just thinking about it now. I'm like, I'm amazed that they didn't do it at that time. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, like it's a long show when you think about it, with like the two rumbles and 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 such, and how much mm-hmm. more you can even fit on the show. So there you go, that the seven day countdown until Seth Rollins and Jinder Mahal, Otis against uh, Ivar. Um, 
this is my candidate for match of the week so far. Is that so? Really? Oh, this was the best four minutes. Um, this was the best four minute match I've seen this year. Maybe that'll be a category sub five minute match of the mm. year. We need to incorporate that. So this was set up earlier in the day. Spinning elbow is hit by Otis. He's got Tozawa and Maxine in his corner. And then Ivar does a reverse cross off the middle rope and Otis catches him and turns it into a world's strongest slam, which this guy could have done a 630 and it wouldn't have gotten the reaction that this did. The crowd is into all the big man spots. Ivar hits the caterpillar, but then eats a spin kick and Ivar goes to the top for his doom salt and pins Ivar in 346. This could have gone a few more minutes. Pin, uh, pins Otis. Pins Otis, sorry. Yes, Ivar gets the win. Um, and then Tozawa steps up to Ivar and we got the greatest exchange on Monday night, second only to CM Punk and Drew McIntyre, where Tozawa yelled, you think you're big? And Ivar looked at him and he yelled, I'm big, little man. I'm you, big, little man. I guess like maybe when they're shouting these things, they only kind of half expect um, podcasters to pick up on them and scrutinize them. <laughs> Go back and listen to this. And the, the was it that funny? Really? In their, you think you're big? I am big, little mm. man. <laughs> I'm glad you got so much joy out of, out of these I lines. Did. I got great joy out of this. Anyway, <laughs> I, I thought this was a fun three and a half minute match. I, it was a very fun three and a half minute match. I mean, you know, unlike maybe other meat matches we've seen, this wasn't just these guys like, you know, punching each other. This was some agil- agility thrown in there, especially in, in um, uh, Ivar's case. They continue to make that moonsault feel like a real highlight of, um, you know, these shows and, I thought it was a very appropriate length, you know, just two big men doing very impressive moves. And I thought it never overstated its welcome. So Tazawa seems like like they're putting effort into pushing Ivar versus Tazawa. And um, I, I don't know. Um, is did, Are you interested? You think he's big? I'm big, little man. Jackie interviewed Jay Uso, who like could not stay still at all i guess like that's his thing um he's gonna win a singles title this year but then gets approached by bronson reed who refers to him as jimmy uso's younger brother burn he said i also plan to win a title this year so don't get in my way like dude do you know how many titles are in this company we can both eat eat yes eat yeah yeah um i don't know this was a Jey Uso's definitely cooled down a little bit, and, and we're just sort of in that awkward rumble period where um, there's really no dance partner with him, um, and so Reed feels like a bit of a step down. Um, but I also feel like they could have made a much better case for like Jay actually winning the rumble. Like they're they haven't really pushed any narrative with, with him at all. He hasn't um, even announced he's in, has he? I don't. I don't know. I don't know. Maybe you would expect an interaction with Jimmy um, in the Rumble or something, but that's what I yeah. expect. One of them, well, eliminates maybe the other. Maybe Jimmy eliminates Jay. I mean, they could be purposely keeping him low key just so that we we might be surprised by that interaction. I'm not exactly sure, but not much going on at least on TV with Jay right now. So next week they announce Rollins and Jinder for the title, Miz and r Truth against Finn Balor and. Damian Priest, non-title match, DIY against Dominic and JD as they move up the ranks, and Gunther returning. No better place mm-hmm. for Gunther to return than North Little Rock, Arkansas. 
Maybe we'll cut quite the promo. Main event is Shinsuke Nakamura and Cody Rhodes in a street fight. All this crowd wanted was tables. They would get them. They also got a broom and a kendo stick. Cody takes control of the kendo stick, uh, hits a disaster kick, and then Cody brings out the table for the huge pop, but Nakamura stops him with nunchucks. And Nakamura misses Cody with the mist and takes out timekeeper Berkeley Ottman. Now, there is a name generator name, Berkeley this, Ottman. I mean, it's a real person. Yes, I'm, I'm very I'm familiar. Yeah, but, this um, is uh, this is this guy's related to Fred Ottman. Is it his son? I think. Is that right? I'm pretty sure they're related. I oh, I know this. Uh, let's see if it's. Uh, yeah, well, his two sons, Berkeley and Bo. Um, yeah. Okay, well, maybe Berkeley maybe the Shockmaster has to. Timekeeper. And there's a relationship because um, Cody's uh, uncle is Fred Ottman. You're, oh, wow. I didn't even yes. realize that. Yeah. So there's a weird, Well, maybe the Shockmaster really is, uh, is going to come out for revenge against uh, Shinsuke Nakamura. Um, I don't know about that. Maybe the Shockmaster could have had subtitles. Um, yes. You yes, can totally see Fred Ottman in, uh, in this. You're right. Here. You can. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, poor Berkeley uh, dude, dude took the mist like great. It was like the red mist and it looked cool. Um, mm. see this woman in the front row that w- with, uh, they were ready for the mist here. They masked up. <laughs> I don't know if this was from this show. Cause I don't know oh. if there are many people wearing masks these days at these events, John. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, continue on nonetheless uh so uh timekeeper berkeley ottman uh is taken out and we go through a second break nakamura is destroying cody with chair shots and then he fires back sets up a table in the ring and nakamura places cody onto the table and drives through with the double knees off the turnbuckle wade notes that nakamura is full of poisonous intent not just mist but intent that's why it's red Nakamura gets out another table and runs Cody into this chair that's set up in the corner, sliding German and knee off the buckle. But then Cody stops the Kinshasa with the pedigree, hits a two count, Cody cutter, and then Cody Cody gets up and just roars. He just roars to the crowd. And I think that the the stand-in timekeeper was probably roaring too because, dude, they had like a minute to get off the air. And he sidesteps the Kinshasa, Hits the uh, Nakamura crashes through the table and takes the crossroads and Cody wins in a slick, breezy twenty four minutes. <laughs> this was way too long, um, and yeah. I didn't feel that this reached um, like that. I thought like, okay, we're gonna go slow, and then that last like four minutes, they're just gonna do all the table spots and some near falls. I didn't think it really escalated to that level. If anything, I thought the finish was a bit abrupt just of like all this selling by Cody and like, boom, sidestep crossroads because they had to get off the air. They were like running, like they finished with like 30 seconds to go. Well, if they didn't miss the timekeeper, maybe this, this was, would have been a better pace match. Um, <laughs> I I agree with you. That was maybe my principal complaint about the match. I feel like they've done such a great job building this up, you know, between the graphics and Shinsuke Nakamura's promos um, to the point where like, this felt like a really like good TV main event, like a better than average te- main event for raw with the this significant was built story. Up like a pay-per-view match. And I would maybe say that's why they decided to give so much time to it. But the content of the match itself, I don't think, I mean, five minutes, you could have definitely shaved off of it. Maybe even a, a bit more. Um, 
it was a bit slow going, especially this late into the show. I thought by the time they got to some of the stunts, um, like like the misting or or with the tables, um, that's when maybe it picked up. But I don't think it was no DQ enough to perhaps um, uh, maximize the sort of like potential um that stipulation might have had for twenty four minutes. So it did drag a bit, but good match overall. Like it, it's the type of match that I think delivered a level of finality to the feud, and um, again maybe um. Brad Ottman coming for revenge. Sorry, uh, what's the Berkeley? No, you're right. Like Brett is the brother of Berkeley. Okay. Well, Brett Ottman, yeah, Brett and Berkeley. Then come. (laughs) Yes, yes. The uh, the the um, uh, I guess they would be natural um disasters. There you go. Hey, (laughs) uh, natural disaster kick. Beautiful natural disasters, Cody. And you keep running with this. I think I think you've got a pitch in you for this. Uh, so so Brian's pointing out. I guess they are cousins. These two, Brett and or sorry, uh, this Berkeley and Cody. Would that make them cousins? We, we said this. Yes. Okay. Well, I didn't know what the relation was. Well, Cody like, is if if Fred Ottman is his uncle. Yes, that would make them cousins. Yes. Right. Okay. Yes. Yes. Well, hey, there's a team right here. Potentially, yeah. Look, Cody really wanted to be in this photo. <laughs> well, okay. Um, overall, I thought this was a uh, a pretty pretty good edition of Raw. I thought that the Punk Drew segment was excellent. I was greatly entertained by the R Truth video. Uh, wrestling wise, I would state that um, the main event did not did not reach my uh, my expectation level for a match that was built up for. Uh, several weeks but i mean the crowd got into like the tables and and stuff like that and i mean overall like it it feels like they are just they're building the rumble well like it's not the usual case where all of a sudden it's the week of the rumble and we're going to make cases for people going into it it's like you're you're setting up different people different scenarios and um and what is at stake by winning the rumble which they should be hammering that pretty solid uh i felt like punk today like gave you a pretty good sort of rundown of like who the main candidates are um well i suppose maybe main candidates for his program but like okay punk is definitely um maybe the favorite uh you have drew mcintyre now who i think you know pushed him right up there with with tonight's promo uh twain johnson cody and then like a bit of a gap and but through would be like that next level well I, i would add Dwayne as well Sure, if you if you think he might show up as a surprise or something, yeah, and you're gonna have that speculation going into the rumble. Sure, mm-hmm. shows up, yeah, does a spot. Yeah, um, I I think I think they're doing really well right now with Raw. Like Raw c- compared to SmackDown does feel like the A show at the moment. Just it just feels like there's a lot more interesting things going on. They have um, I don't know, a higher level of star power. Um, in my opinion, even with Roman Reigns on SmackDown, Roman doesn't do much on SmackDown. Whereas Punk is heavily involved on the show. Cody's heavily involved on the show. Um, and so yeah, I'm I'm looking forward to seeing what they're doing heading to Mania season. They didn't go over John Oran's forecast on Raw. Maybe they, uh, that's going to be Michael Cole slipped that in there. Are we um, going to Amazon? Oh, no. What? You know what? Now that we've reviewed Raw, I, I think uh, before we go to feedback, <laughs> let's just let's just get our, our wits about us and uh, talk off air for a second. I have something to tell you in private. <laughs> okay, well, what should we do while we talk off air? Just play something. 
It is 2024, and tracking technology from advertisers, ISPs, and hackers is getting more sophisticated than many of us can understand. Something you can do to give yourself a bit more peace of mind this year is to protect your browsing by investing in a trusted VPN like NordVPN. Voted Best VPN for Privacy of 2023 by Security.org, Nord is one of the most established and reputable VPN providers in the field. NordVPN is also something I use every day to access geo-blocked online streaming services like AEW+. By far the best way of watching AEW programming commercial-free with on-demand access to AEW's entire TV archive. But perhaps the most value I've gained from using Nord has been the ability to unlock cheaper prices to online content from other parts of the world. Plus, when you sign up at nordvpn.com slash postwrestling, you get four bonus months on top of all two-year plans. That works out to $2.88 a month, so it's already paid for itself several times over. Again, $2.88 a month when you sign up at nordvpn.com slash postwrestling. Check the link in the show description. Sign up with code postwrestling, get yourself some bonus months, and let NordVPN know you found them through us. So you understand I couldn't say that on the air. <laughs> yes, yes. I forgot to. <laughs> no, you didn't because you sent me a message. So you I sent you a message and then I forgot to continue to remind you of it um, as we were <laughs> doing our review. But huge thank you to our sponsors on this podcast. We love you all, even when we forget about you uh, an hour in. <laughs> But we now have uh, feedback to get to. And if you have any super chats, you can send those in our way as well. Uh, just just don't ask us to like book a card. Uh, it, it's too late after midnight. I, I can't I can't book the territory. So with yeah. all due respect, let's go to feedback forum.postwrestling.com where all of our post wrestling cafe patrons can post their feedback every single Monday, Wednesday, Friday, basically every day, every night, forever. Uh, first, let's start off here with Manny from Pacoima. I'll start off, John. He says, another solid edition of Raw. The opening promo between Punk and Drew really made the Rumble feel big. And now with this added story, there will be eyes glued to see if Punk really leaves Drew for the last in the Rumble. I loved Wade mentioning Caden's time in Mexico, and Cole sort of jumped in to mention she was in Angel Garza's La Rebellion in the Crash Lucha. But I guess he only knows about the Triple Tails. Shout out to R-Truth for delivering the segment of the year and for name-dropping the greatest tag team in all of Mexico, Tom and Nick Mysterio. Andrade is no longer being advertised for his two GCW shows, which means that Triple H has robbed me, and I will no longer be able to see Andrade versus Gresham this Friday. I really enjoyed the best of show, and my pick for male of the wrestler, male wrestler of the year is Jacob Fatu, always delivering some great matches. Okay. Um, yeah, and Andrade was supposed to be on the Friday show in Chicago, and he's now been replaced by Leo Rush. So it'll now be Leo Rush and Jonathan Gresham, which is not a bad uh, replacement match as well. Mustafa Ali's on that show as well against uh, Gringo Loco. Um, but yeah, you can read into that whatever you will about uh, Andrade being pulled and where he will be going next. But uh, thank you as always to Manny from Pacoima. Next up we go to... Muggin, no significant storyline developments, but this show didn't mail it in. The Cody uh, Shinsuke street fight was a pay-per-view length match. Not too bad about gender facing Seth. Not too mad about gender facing Seth for the world title. Triple H went deep into his callback bag for that matchup because he notes it happened in NXT a decade ago. The Punk McIntyre segment was aces, and I like how the Rumbles are having multiple potential winners instead of locking down to just one or two odds on favorites. Okay, this isn't a feedback feedback from the forum, but I have to go to Anthony Brennan in the chat room. What did y'all talk about? Is there a third son of Shockmaster that he won't admit to? He's the odd man oh. out. 
That's great. <laughs> Very good, like Anthony that. Brennan. Good, good, good one, Anthony. Hey, let's go up next to Annie Rude. Balasu Brahmin. I hope I got that right. He says, I enjoyed just about everything on the show other than the Seth freaking and the Miz segments, which provided me with an opportunity to, to catch up on my emails. I wish they'd given Gable and Ricochet the TV time instead. I also miss Gunther and Sammy. Do you guys think the door is shut on Gable Gunther at Mania? The highlight of the show was the opening segment uh, and and the the Drew Punk interaction. I love the fact that these are fleshed out characters who are worth investing your time in. Drew has been the MVP of Raw for me and is consistently the most compelling character in wrestling. 7.5 out of 10. Yeah, Gable versus Gunther is not something that they've really teased uh, much at all. I would say since they did, like the title challenge and him wanting to go back uh, towards it, um, they, like Gable, they, they've taken such a like step back with overall. Like he is, like it's, Otis that's front and center and like Tozawa is getting more focused than Gable. Like Gable just does like the backstage pep talks and that's really what it's been limited to. They, they, they could be just waiting, you know, like if, if it's a build towards a rumble, I don't necessarily think you need to start that um, three months out, you know, for Chad Gable, four months out for Chad Gable. Um, they might just be keeping him in the background so that eventually we're kind of forgetting about it until he takes that step forward. But um I don't know. What do you see for Gunther if not um, Gable? Um, I don't know. I mean, they they haven't really teased much with them. I mean, you could find somebody. I mean, there's there's no shortage of like good matches that you can have with him. But I guess you want to have somebody like the the Gable. You could always resurrect that, like if they wanted to just mm-hmm. cool things down. But I just there's been so little uh t- towards that um yeah i guess if you're looking on on the raw side is there anyone that, that jumps out at you so you do have like um different players now you have a jay uso you have a Sami Zayn who doesn't really have an obvious program yeah. jay i suppose might be might be jimmy um trying to think who else like drew mcintyre is very much a heel right now but you know that's a pairing that i think they can always go back to uh, especially like if Drew ends up turning babyface, um, but yeah, we'll see. Slim Seaver sends um, sends a super chat here for ten dollars. Thank you, Slim Seaver. He says maybe it's just watching more under more of a microscope with Kevin Dunn leaving. But did it seem like Jackie Redman was allowed to show a lot more personality tonight? Um, hard for me to tell. Like I don't, yeah. I don't really think so personally. Like I feel like. She's about the same as usual. Mm. Mm. I, I mean, we did that. get a timekeeper's name. So, I mean, that, that, that was something as well. I mean, it used to mm. be, we didn't even get referees names. So, you know, slow, slow gains. Last one here is from Alexander, who was at the show live in Portland tonight. The highlight of the whole night was our truth. I don't think I've ever heard a crowd as hot for him as tonight. Jinder works as a TV foil for Seth. Nobody will believe any other contender for Seth until WrestleMania. Drew and Punk were great. Kaiser looked like a killer, and I genuinely enjoyed seeing The Miz win tonight. I've seen plenty of live shows in Portland, and tonight's crowd felt the biggest and the loudest. Happy I was part of it. Could you see Rhea and Nia at Elimination Chamber? Yeah, we talked about that. I mean, that's that's a, uh, that's a possibility. You, I mean, yeah. that would be a very clear babyface heel dynamic for Australia. And mm-hmm. yeah, I, in a nutshell, I could see that. To create a big heroic moment for Rhea Ripley inside her her home country, um, I I think that's probably your best bet, more so than an, an elimination chamber would provide. Because um, 
I don't see her winning an elimination chamber. If well, actually, I do. I I would see that. Um, but it wouldn't be as like maybe triumphant. Again, you know what? They could still do elimination chamber, but with Naya and Rhea, maybe the final two, and, and that being sort of like a big moment uh, of of Rhea retaining. Um, there are a lot of ways that they they can go. That might actually be a more likely possibility. Actually. Well, this elimination chamber show. I mean, they're so they'll, they'll, they could get Rhea and Nia. They'll get Rock and Reigns and um, the, the Fred Ottman um, and Shinsuke Nakamura, perhaps. Oh man, could you imagine that? Yeah, yeah. tugboat and Nakamura. Mm-hmm. Chaos. The Botaye. <laughs> no, right. I, I'm Goodbye. too tired. That's it, everyone. We're done. We're out. We are back later this week. Let's quickly chat about uh, some of the shows. For the cafe this week, on Thursday, it is WWF Breakdown on Rewind Away from September of 1998. Steve Austin defending his WWF title against The Undertaker and Kane. A 1998 main event, if there ever was one. Plus the aforementioned Dustin Rhodes versus Val Venus and some WWF undercards from 1998. That was, um, boy, um... There were some matches on the attitude show. era was amazing, wasn't it? Um, we're gonna talk about that on, on Thursday. So that's coming up. Breakdown Friday night. We have Rewind a SmackDown presented by Rogers, um, where the two of us will go over SmackDown. And then coming up Saturday, uh, I will be doing a free show with John Cena covering Hard to Kill, while Way will be on the cafe with Kate from Montreal covering three hours of AEW programming. What did we throw Way into? He will be reviewing Collision and Battle of the Belts Nine. Maybe the, the, maybe you guys can uh, reminisce about your favorite Battle of the Belts matches over we, nine we editions. Rank all nine in order. Yes. Yeah. Uh, hey, uh, last thing here before we we get out of here, I want to thank a lot of you guys, obviously, um, who are uh, who have signed up recently to the Post Wrestling Cafe. We saw uh, like a pretty healthy surge of new signups because of the uh, Wrestle Kingdom, I imagine. Um, we also continue to see a pretty healthy surge of signups for the double double tier, and that's pretty much primarily because of John's audio updates that he um, puts out there. Um, we all know and appreciate the writing that John does on the website. Well, over the past several months now, it feels like he's con- he started to do those in audio form. And you know, John Pollock, when he decides to do something, he goes all in, and he's essentially created these little like well-produced broadcasts um and those are uh at least like once uh every every once in a while they're available for all tiers but for the rest of the time they're available exclusively to our double double uh and espresso tier patrons so beyond that we also like to thank those particular patrons with a video roll call at the end of all of our live broadcasts so we should end that that way right now goodbye